Welcome to the Wisdom Journey, where Stephen Davey is teaching you through the Bible with a new lesson each weekday. As Stephen continues through the Gospels, he comes to Matthew 11 and Luke 7. Have you ever had times of doubt, difficult circumstances, and unfulfilled expectations can cause you to doubt God's plan and purpose? But they should drive us to God's Word, which answers our doubt with His promises. Here's Stephen to teach you more. John Bunyan was a a pastor who lived in the mid-1600s in England. Uh, He lived during a time when, because of his biblical convictions, he would refuse to align with the Church of England, and he was, on several occasions, thrown into jail for preaching as an unlicensed or an unauthorized uh, pastor. But while serving in in prison, his time there in prison, as he did on more than one occasion, he wrote several books. The most famous one, published in 1678, was called The Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read it yet, you ought to. In this allegory, Bunyan writes about the experiences of a young believer by the name of Christian, who's traveling from his home village, the City of Destruction, for the celestial city which represents heaven. His experiences along the way illustrate the trials and the temptations and the difficulties of of every Christian. But in the story, uh, John Bunyan included many of his own challenges, especially his own personal battle with doubt. In one particular episode, Christian and his companion, Hopeful, are traveling through a certain field where they rest for the night but they're captured by a giant named Despair. Despair takes them to his castle. It's called Doubting Castle. He takes them down into the dungeon and throws them into a cell. Over the course of several days, they are beaten by Despair, who enjoys making their lives uh, miserable. And finally, one night, Christian and Hopeful are praying to the king, God, for help. And suddenly Christian remembers that earlier in his journey, he'd been given a key called promise. He takes the key of promise from his pocket, and when he slips it into the lock of their cell door, it opens. In fact, the key opens every locked door that stands in their way to freedom. Finally, they reach the outer gate of the castle, and it opens as well. Christian and his friend Hopeful run for their lives. Uh, They get back on the king's highway and on toward the celestial city. Now, John Bunyan was writing about something every honest Christian I know, by the way, admits a struggle at times with the giant despair and doubting castle. Even William Carey, the man we call the father of modern missions, He wrote in his journal in 1794, I am defective in all my duties in prayer. I wander. My soul is a jungle when it ought to be a garden. I am perhaps the most inconsistent Christian. I can scarcely tell if I have the grace of God or not. Well, how do you respond 
to the giant despair. How, how do you respond to his doubting castle? Well, in this next encounter, as we sail through the life of Christ on our wisdom journey, we find here in Luke's gospel uh, this this news that Jesus's ministry uh, has reached an innocent man who's been locked up in a prison cell, and he is in despair. His name is John the Baptist. Herod had put him into prison uh, some 18 months earlier. Uh, John has now grown disillusioned, discouraged. I mean, think of all that he had expected, uh, right, after he announced the Messiah's arrival. He, He had preached that the golden age of God's kingdom was just around the corner. But where is the conquering king? Herod is still in power. The religious hypocrites are still influential. The, uh, the Roman Empire, uh, looks to him, is still in charge. And he's sitting in prison. Well, we're told here in Luke chapter 7 that John sends two of his disciples to find Jesus and ask Jesus a question. And let me tell you, this question is filled with sorrow and despair and doubt. Here it is in verse 19. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Wow. Lord, are are you really the Messiah? Have have we really been following the Son of God, the King of a coming kingdom? You You might put their question this way. Lord, if you're the one we're expecting, why isn't anything happening that we expected? And isn't that what creates doubt in our hearts today? Lord, you're doing something I'm, I'm not expecting, or you're not doing something I expected. In fact, Lord, nothing right now makes any sense at all to me. One author put it this way, that we don't necessarily doubt that God is love. We just doubt at times that God loves us. I mean, how can... How can we believe he cares about us when when we lose our job, our our spouse, uh, maybe through death, maybe maybe he or she left you for someone else, maybe you've been diagnosed with an incurable disease? It's easy to say, you know, God loves the world and reach the conclusion that God doesn't love me. I got to tell you, I am so grateful— that God's Spirit allowed this question to come from the lips of this great prophet. Because we would assume that somebody like John the Baptist would have the answers, not the questions. He, he, would, he would never give in to despair or, or doubt. He, he, he would certainly never question Jesus. But he's, he's asking, are you the one? Well, Jesus responds to these two disciples here in verse 22, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Don't miss this point here. By the way, Jesus does not say, Hey, you go back and tell John, I can't believe he's doubting me. What do you mean, should we look for someone else? What Jesus does instead, which is good for him and us, is he quotes four different verses from the book of Isaiah that refer to the work of the Messiah. 
In effect, Jesus is saying, John, remember, God's word says, this is what the Messiah will do. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. What Jesus does say here in verse 23, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me, that is, not tripped up by what I'm doing. Evidently, uh, beloved, these quotations from Isaiah were good enough for John. These were the keys of promise. While Jesus' response didn't set John free physically, it did free his mind and his heart of doubt. And I love the fact that instead of rebuking John, Jesus sets the record straight here with an amazing tribute to the prophet. Here's what he says after this publicly, verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, than John. With that, Jesus is actually talking about you and me as his followers. John was great, but even little you and little me are more greatly blessed. And and you think, well, how's that? Well, for one, we have greater blessing than John had. John died before Jesus' ministry was complete. He didn't live to see the resurrection. He didn't see the church created. He, he never saw a completed Bible. We have all of that and so much more. Well, now Jesus turns to this crowd of unbelievers, and he, he delivers to them a rather pointed message. Verse 31 says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? Well, they're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. In other words, they had rejected the invitation of John the Baptist to weep when he sang a dirge. He he called them to repentance. Likewise, they rejected Jesus' invitation to dance. He's, He's been playing the flute of good news of the kingdom, so to speak. See, the preaching themes of John and Jesus were different in many ways, but they were preaching the same message. Repent, the kingdom is on the way. They're both rejected by the self-righteous religious leaders, by the nation of Israel. Beloved, this event in John's life shows us uh, the difference then between doubt and unbelief. And it's important to understand the difference. Doubt doesn't understand what God is doing. Unbelief doesn't care what God is doing. So what do you do? What do you do when you're trapped? You feel trapped in the prison cell there in Doubting Castle. Well, you escape that dungeon of despair the same way little Christian did in Pilgrim's Progress. Not by some heroic act of faith you know, or by some inner determination to do better, but simply reaching once again in all your weakness and helplessness for the key called promise. And that promise is the Word of God. Go to God's Word. Claim His promises. God will keep His Word. He will never break His promise to care for you, to guide you, to give you what you truly need, to love you, all the way as you journey, even today, toward the celestial city of heaven. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I'm glad you're sailing along with us on this wisdom journey through the entire Bible. Stephen Davey is your Bible teacher, and this lesson is called Imprisoned in the Dungeon of Doubt. When you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that helps more people find us. Please do that today. Then join us again next time as we continue through the Bible on the Wisdom Journey.